Chris Hahn here on the Aggressive Progressive Podcast. We don't just talk about progressive politics. We tell you how to win because that's what being an aggressive progressive is. Check us out every Tuesday. New episodes on Pandora, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Don't miss a week. The Aggressive Progressive Podcast with Chris Hahn. today sir i'm calling you the heavy heart how so we lost our good bud the sagler bob saget oh i know it's been all over the news it's just absolutely terrible absolutely terrible yeah we got matt prude our producer joining us today because he was there with us on that all-time classic film session the strange days with bob saget episode i mean as far as i know that was the most epic bigfoot related filming event well, it was such what a neat opportunity that was. I mean, to be a part of Bob's show, of course, Mr. Saget's show, but it got so many of the BFRO people at the time and the people had been working together out in the field together in one spot for this kind of fun, it wasn't a party or anything like that. I mean, it wasn't much a partying going on. It was my birthday party. It was kind of, yeah, it was just a bunch of good people all uh, hanging out together, having a good time. And Bob Saget happened to be there kind of making a, a, a an episode for his uh, series, Strange Days with Bob Saget. Well, really, what, what happened was I put the whole thing together because I was hanging out with Renee and she was a producer for the show. And I met all them guys and we got along good. And they were like, hey, you know, you got to come hang out with us when we're filming. And, I'm, you know, that kind of stuff. And I was like, oh, yeah, you know, that's, that's fun. And then so I went and hung out with them for a day or two. And then I was just like, well, I got to go. I'm going squatching. I'm like, what? I'm like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a Bigfoot hunter, you know, whatever. And they were just like, what? And then Sagat was tripping out. He's like, you really do that? I was like, yeah. And so then we said, uh, then me and you took off on a road trip clip. And then I called around and they wanted me to do it. They wanted me just to have just me and Bob alone. They didn't want anyone else there. And I was like, I'm not doing it. I got to bring Cliff for sure because we're going to be on the road together. And then, um, you know, we're going to be traveling. So it's definitely, I got to have for sure at least Cliff there. And I was like, well, you know, we got all these guys up in Washington. I said, let's just go up to Washington. Because I was going to take them up to Bluff Creek area. And I was like, well, Washington's more likely to have something to happen. So I put together something up in Washington, and then it turned into like this like 70 person, just huge gathering. You know, it was almost like a like a conference level kind of gathering. It was like there were so many people there. It was it was classic. Man. And Saget, that guy was just he was a good dude. Yeah, yeah, he was an extraordinarily kind gentleman. I will say that. I was really struck because you know I I never watched what what is that show Full House? I never saw that. You know I don't know anything about it. Um, and and as far as like America's Funniest Home Videos, I mean I didn't watch that either. So I, I only knew Bob Saget from his uh, stand up. 
for the most part. And he's, he had a potty mouth in his standup. He was very, very edgy, probably as a, um, as a reaction to being so vanilla in his other gigs, man. Yeah. I, so I didn't know what to expect, but he, when he was there, nicest guy in the world, took all the time for you, kind spoke kindly to you. He would disappear from set two or three times a day to call his daughter on the East coast to check in. It's just the nicest, kindest guy uh, that I really was not expecting. I didn't know what to expect, but I didn't expect that. Well, I was cruising around them before we hooked up with you guys and, you know, driving around up there in Washington, his motorhome. And, dude, everywhere we went, he got mobbed. Like, I'd never seen people get mobbed before. Like, I mean, I've been around celebrities. I grew up outside of L.A., you know, the whole scene. And I'd never seen anyone get mobbed like sack. Well, maybe like you two behind backstage or something coming out from there. But I mean, he was like that kind of level. And it was also funny because he was so gracious with people, dude. Like, we got out of this one... A gas station in, um, I think we were in Lake Quinault. And, you know, it's just a tiny little, you know, it's the Quinault tribes there and this and that. And we're getting, you know, gas and some snacks. And he steps out. And, like, we knew every time he got out because the crew would just kind of go, oh, no. Because he would not get back in until he signed every autograph, took every picture. People would hand him phones going, hey, say hi to my uncle. He's a fan. So, or say hi to my little sister. She's your biggest fan. He'd get, take, take the phone and, like, really, like, you know, put everything going, Oh, you know, he'd make jokes and talk to the person and wish him well. And like, we got stuck at one gas station for like two and a half hours. Another time we got stuck for like three hours. And he's just like, I don't, I never leave until all my fans have a moment. Then we went to the casino after like a 16 hour shoot or maybe 12 hour shoot. It was a long day. And Saget, and I, I, I felt bad later. And I, in hindsight, I felt really bad, but I called some of my friends from the tribe and said, Hey, Bob's going to be at the casino. We're getting dinner if you want to come say hi. And they, you know, it was, you know, the res, dude, the coconut wireless, just, it just word spread like wildfire. And everyone just kept showing up and showing up. There was like a few hundred people ended up showing up. He spent eight hours, dude. He was out there until like 2.33 in the morning, just signing and taking pictures. And it was crazy. He's like, I'm like, Bob, I tried to rescue him. I'm like, dude, go to bed, man. Like, this is crazy. Like, you're going to be here all night. And he's just like, I, have to wait till everyone's I sign everything and everyone gets their moment. And I was like, dang, dude, that's, I, I definitely took note of that. You know, I try to, I always like if I was dealing with the public, like in a, some kind of event like that, where everyone's trying to get your picture or sign something. I always try to think of, uh, so I was, my two role models were Bob Gimlin and Bob Saget, how to, you know, make sure you take, treat everyone nice and take the time to sign it or take the, take the photo or whatever. And of course, you made a huge mistake by calling and saying, "Hey, so and so is here. Why don't you come uh, hang out?" Because uh, imagine if somebody did that to you now. Oh, I know. It's like, oh, hey, Bobo's here. Make sure you come down and say hi. He's got an extra eight hours to say hi to everybody. I only called one house, but yeah, that's all it took. <laughs> well, th- that just shows how much everybody loved Bob Saget, though, too. Oh, they did, dude. He was. Because I didn't give a shit about Bob Saget. I, I, I was not a fan. You know what's weird, dude? The comedians, the two comedians I hated the most in the 80s were Bob Saget and Bobcat Goldwave. And they're like the two guys I ended up being friends with that I knew the best out of all those comedians. It was like, and I found out I was totally wrong. Well, you know, I still, I mean, I think Bobcat's like class A level, you know, comedian. And with Bob, uh, I, I never really was a big fan of his stand up either. Just to me, he just did a lot of swearing and stuff. Like, he was funny. He was funny to hang out with, like hanging out, just driving around with him. He was, he was hilarious, but I was never a fan of his comedy. And I hated like that video show and the, 
I never saw Full House, so... Yeah, I don't know that much about that stuff. But, you know, I, I did learn some stuff that weekend about television, oddly enough, about being on television. And uh, one of the things, uh, much probably to the chagrin of the, my fellow cast members on Finding Bigfoot, is that I noticed what what uh, Mr. Saget would do. He would just, you know, kind of roll along and kind of improvise jokes and stuff like that. And sometimes I noticed over a period of an hour or two, he would say the same joke two or three times in yeah. different circumstances. And I asked him, said, hey, man, I mean, no, don't mean any disrespect, but you had already said, you've already said that. And he goes, Oh, I know. Yeah. Don't worry about that. That, I mean, uh, I don't worry about that. That's for the editors to figure out. My job is to be funny. I go, Oh, and I kind of took that with me, I guess, to finding Bigfoot. And sometimes I would say the same joke at two or three different scenes if, if it was, a uh, you know, applicable. Um, and I, sure enough, the editors figured it out. I didn't have to worry about it. So the joke. I'd say it, I'd say it five times. Renee, if Renee had a good one, she'd say it like 10 or 20. Right, right. But I picked that up from Saget, and that's something I kind yeah. of walked away with. But it was a pretty epic weekend, man. So many good Bigfooter friends were there. Uh, so many good people in general. Um, and, and Craig Flippy. Craig Flippy kind of t- turned out to be some sort of like breakout star in the episode. He was awesome yeah. um, with everything that he did. Like you and you and Flippy pretty much stole the show. I mean, I think Saget was lucky to get any screen time at all between you guys on that episode. Yeah, I told him about Flippy. I was like, I was like, yeah, you're going to like my buddy. He's a real ninja. He's a moped rider, this and that and that. He's like, right on. So yeah, they, Renee went and interviewed him at his house. And because when we were first, I was kind of arguing with him. They were saying, like, we don't want to, we just want to go in, you know, have a quick shoot, like you and Bob together for a couple, like two, three nights. I was like, no way. You got to, you got to meet these other guys. You know, I was like, they're classy. You're going to love them. You know, it's, it's a good time. I was, you know, I played in some yams music. They said, all right, that guy can come. I said, you know, Cliff. I said, okay, yeah, he's cool. And Flippy, yeah. And then I, just, then I was like, oh, we got to have Mel Skahan and, you know, Moneymaker. And then Moneymaker, then, then Moneymaker tried to turn it into this like BFRO thing, like old, like it was a BFRO thing. Like and he was in charge. Like, well, he, he was on fire at that point, though, because he was working really hard to try to get a TV show, of course. Right. And he saw this as an opportunity, like a foot in the door. So he wanted to make sure that it really played well. And it was it was awesome, of course, because he was so intense, as only Matt can be, um, that you got that amazing scene in the episode where, uh, you know, like Matt and um, Bob Saget are following. Actually, Matt Pruitt and I in the car. Um, and, uh, and they're trying to radio us. And of course, you know, uh, that whole scene as it played out, we can tell that story in a few minutes. Um, but he was in particularly intense on that weekend because I think, uh, he saw this as an opportunity to get a foot in the door and later, lo and behold, finding Bigfoot came about at, through other means. Even I know Matt had a role in it. We all had our, our own little role in it, I suppose, in various degrees and various ways and influences. But, um, uh, Matt was really working hard at that moment, so I think that uh, that explains yeah, he, a little bit. Remember, like when he cleaned the you you were there when he cleaned the Olympic pro, the Olympic Project headquarters in that barn. We were all sleeping in there, and yeah, he he had said something like, "This needs to look like a Bigfoot headquarters. It doesn't look yeah. like a Bigfoot headquarters." So you remember he had all those well, he had flyers from his Ohio research days with uh, you know like if you've seen a Bigfoot, call this number and these bumper right. stickers. And so yeah, we put up casts and all this stuff. And but yeah, he had a he had an iPod on these these uh, loudspeakers, and he had the James Blunt song "You're Beautiful" on yeah. for like three hours, and we were all trying to sleep. And I remember Tyler finally like yelling, Tyler Bounce, going like, "Dude, shut up!" <laughs> but I mean, he had it cranked up like a thousand watt system all the way up. I mean, he had it full blast, like rattling the windows. I had my head wrapped in a blanket. It was still just pounding loud, and I just remember like getting up at like two, three in the morning, going, 
moneymaker, like, what are you doing? He was just like, he literally drank, I think, 12 Red Bulls that night. To his credit, it did look like a Bigfoot research headquarters. Like, your listeners have probably seen a lot of the Small Town Monsters movies. So if you've seen any of these shots of the Olympic Project headquarters with all those casts and posters and Bigfoot paraphernalia, like, most of that was put up the night before that Bob Saget uh, television show. Right. Yeah, and then he... But he the guy, the guy who had had the property before worked for like the telephone company or something. So there was, I remember all that wire that he was coiling wire and like hanging it on the walls all for like hours. Yes, dude. I forgot about that. <laughs> well, yeah. what I loved about it, you know, to your point about nobody knew what to expect. I think there was a general vibe because a lot of us got there a day early and we're kind of talking about, you know, what this was going to be like and what to do. And so I think everyone was too afraid to be made fun of because we knew it was a comedy show and we knew that he's an, a you know, professional stand-up comedian. And so I think everyone was on pins and needles, but Bobo was so fearless. And, uh, you know, I remember Bobo just being just so upfront with him from the jump, from the second he got there to the, to the end of the weekend, to the point where like all of us were on eggshells and Bobo was just, uh, you know, totally fearless about it. At one point we'd shot that opening sequence where he was introduced to everyone and then he had this big RV on site and he went back in the RV and we were all hanging out and just sort of like chilling around waiting for darkness to fall. And, and Bobo, this is like the first weekend I really hung out with Bobo and he was like, Sagler, where's the Sagler? Sagler. And so Bobo, you marched over to his RV and just started pounding on the door. Sagler, Sagler. And then he opens the door and he's like, yes. And you were like, why aren't you out here rocking with us? <laughs> and he was like, okay, okay. And then he did, he came out and he came over with you guys. And then finally, like the camera guys ended up following him and they filmed some stuff. And, and uh, I think you, you endeared yourself to him pretty quickly there. <laughs> oh yeah. He, he, yeah, he, he was great. And cause I didn't give I didn't give two shits about Saget or his show or any of that stuff. I, I was just like, Dude, Cause I told him, I said, dude, if you make fun of us and he's like, dude, believe me, I'm not going to, so I just did an episode with the motorcycle. He just got back from the motorcycle gang episode. He's all, they let me know. They'll come kill me if I do that. I said, same here. So just, like I said, you can make fun of us, but as long as it's fair, you know, like, you don't know, like cut, cut it up. So we're saying, we're saying things we're not saying, you know, I said, there's going to be plenty of funny stuff to laugh about, but you don't, you don't need to be like cheated or like cut it. So like we're saying things we're not saying, you know, edit it like that. He, he promised, no, 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 no. And the jokes were good, though. There was a great shot when he got out of the RV and it panned over all of us. And a lot of us had been there the night before camping. So we looked pretty rough. And I think his joke was something like, it looked like Scooby doing the gang and 25 years had passed and they'd just been let out of prison. <laughs> <laughs> it's pretty accurate, I think. Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Sonidos of our music. Sonidos of our voices. Sonidos of our stories. Listen to the sounds and voices of Latin music and culture with Pandora stations like RMX, La Vida en Pop, El Pulso en Satélites, and podcasts like Ruby Rosa and more. From music to stories, all that we are is in the sonidos of our culture. Listen now on Pandora. You know, if you look up Strange Days with Bob Saget, um, season one, only went one season, of course. So we know what I, I love about it. Of course, it, sh- it tells you where you can get it, Amazon Prime. And I don't think there's any free place to watch it right now, but it's only $1.99 on Amazon Prime. And, you know, but uh, I looked down and it says, 
cast. First person, Bob Saget. Second person, with a photograph, Tom Yamarone. Yeah. How awesome is that? He got second billing on, on a Bob Saget show. Awesome. <laughs> and he deserves it. I, I'm, I think Saget was lucky to have number one on that one, honestly. Oh, he didn't deserve it at all. No. <laughs> and then we, we actually, we had some, we were in a great spot to all of the Olympic Peninsula. And dude, Saget may, I still don't know if, if it was Mel Scahan or if it was a Squatch. Some people were saying it was Mel. They're like, oh, that was Mel. And I was like, I don't know, man. I, I never knew for sure. You know, maybe it might have been Mel that told me it was him. He just didn't say anything or something. I'm going to call Mel right now. Not only was there this uh, remarkable vocalization, but there was a, a thing that became controversial within the, the hardcore Bigfoot research community was that there was another uh, intriguing and mysterious sound captured by Saget and the team. Oh, I know night. what you're talking about. Yeah, you're talking about Flippy farting into the parabolic mic. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, which, of course, made the episode, if I remember right. Yeah, Flippy, who I love the guy, right? And then he has he has very few to give you know so um and at one point he saw the opportunity and he farted into the parabolic mic um very very typical flippy humor which is excellent of course and um and it made a lot of people upset apparently a lot of people got uh, upset on the bfro because you know if, if you're in the bfro whatever that means you have access to the flats all the reports and you're also on this uh like message board and i guess that's where a lot of the problem uh, arrived uh, or came up i guess about the flippy fart yeah, I was still in the BFRO at that point, and there was a lot of chatter on the investigators' uh, email distribution list of people saying, oh, how dare you have let that happen because, you know, this is going to make a laughing stock of Bigfoot, and who invited this guy? And so, But it was funny how many people were offended by that. That was like the, the fart heard around the Bigfoot world. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, by far the funniest scene, though, has to be the car thing. I, I don't know. There's so many good ones in there, and, and it actually the Probably the funniest scenes are the stuff that uh, they release before the episode is teasers, but I didn't make the episode themselves. Like when Bob Saget bought Bobo the, the, the um, samurai sword, for example, um, he just appeared in the episode, you know, but they're riding around in the RV or whatever. And, and they're like, Bobo's, hey, we need to find a samurai sword. And Bob's were like, what? Yeah, samurai sword. Like for Bigfooting? Yeah. So, all right. And they went, you, Bob Saget bought you a samurai sword. How cool is that, man? I still got it. You know what else? And then, oh, I hope I was, so. It was my birthday, and I was throwing myself a birthday party that night. So I, I was getting a bunch of beer. And second, it's all Bigfoot likes beer. I'm like, hell yeah, they like beer. And uh, that, I got that <laughs> quote. I got that. I still get that quote from people nowadays. Like, or like, hey, Bobo, do Bigfoot like beer? I'm like, I don't know. Do they? They're like, hell yeah, they like beer. Nice, nice. Yeah, you know what, Mel's. Oh, man, the, for, I'm going to call Mel real quick. He's, open, he's he's available for a call. I just text him. I'm going to see if he if he if that was him on that on that squatch call. What's yeah. up, Mel? Oh, I just got off of work. Uh, taking Chuck around to her appointment. Say hi to Chuck. Hey, Chuck. Hey, I got you guys on the air. We're recording. Hi, Chuck. We're, we're we're recording a podcast right now, and we're talking about the Saget episode. Was that you, Mel, at the end when we heard that Bigfoot call? Was Did that turn out to be you and we, no one knew it, or was that – do you remember that? Yeah, that turned out to be me. Oh, it was. Unfortunate. At least Saget went to his grave believing he heard one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, he left the earth knowing that he heard one, yeah. <laughs> well, now he knows it doesn't matter because now he's up in heaven he knows the truth. He knows yeah. the re- he knows he he knows that wasn't a real squash, but he knows squashes are real now. Yeah. Okay. 
That's all, Mel. We just wanted to, I just was, wasn't sure I wanted to clarify that. Well, thanks for answering the call, bud. Yeah. All right. Cliff sends his love. So does Pruitt. All right. Well, tell him I said, hey. Hey, guys. Happy New Year. Happy New Year to you, nice. Mel. Later. Bye. Dang it. But of course, that was Mel Scahan, good friend of ours, who's been on the show before. Yeah. He might have even been a, two, a two-parter, wasn't he? Was he a double episode guy? He was well. We used to do everyone as a double episode guy because we could never record enough episodes. <laughs> yeah, if listeners ever wondered why there was always a part one and part two to guests, it was because of uh, scheduling conflicts. So it was easier to break everyone into two. We've mastered that since then. We've gotten better. I'm not sure we've mastered anything really. No, there was enough material for two. That was the thing. Let's get back to the Saget episode. To me, the funniest part of that entire episode, the, the, the time I laughed the hardest while watching it especially, was that scene where um, Saget was in the car and Matt Moneymaker was driving. I think Derek Randalls is in the backseat. And I, I think they were even driving that lights on because Matt was had his uh, night vision scope up to his face. And he was following another car and trying to radio that car, but getting no response. Well, that other car was being, that was my car. And I was driving it, and Matt Pruitt here was in the passenger seat. And, uh, and of course, you know, we, we had no idea. And Pruitt and I were talking back and forth and whatever. And Matt's driving. He's getting more and more frustrated because we're not answering him. And there's something up with the walkies, or he thinks that we're ignoring him or on the wrong channel or something like that. And he's getting more and more frustrated and driving faster and faster. And Matt's kind of a fast driver to begin with, you know. And and I think the lights are off, if I remember correctly at the time. And, and Saget is scared. Bob is scared. Scared at this moment. Everyone in the car was. You know, yeah, like it, it, well, it's a scary situation, even under the best driving circumstances. Oh my god! So, and from from my perspective, I was down in the valley, and we could we couldn't hear you or Pruitt on the on the uh, cliff. We couldn't hear you guys on the radio, but we could hear my He's like, he's like, Cliff, answer me, Pruitt, answer. He was just screaming into the mic, and then he just goes. Then I just remember hearing, "If they won't stop, I'll stop them." And then that's and we just heard this 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 through the whole valley just Whoa! he might have been driving his own vehicle I think was it his Range Rover they were driving in it was it was some big SUV yeah to set the scene you know we had these rooftop mounted thermal units the same ones that you guys used on Finding Bigfoot and so they wanted to take Bob around and show him wildlife through these thermal units and with any luck maybe they'd see a Sasquatch but because there's a lot riding on it getting those things on camera they had Cliff and I go ahead. So Cliff was driving and I was manning the the thermal unit so that if we saw like an elk, we could radio back to them and say, hey, there's going to be an elk on your right in 200 yards. And that way they could be prepared and actually capture it. And so Matt to not, you know, Matt had this setup where he didn't want to spook wildlife. So he had all the, the lights off, the running lights, and he was just driving with a night vision unit to his eye. If you were in that car, it is ink black, jet black darkness. You're just going down a forest service road in the Olympic mountains. You can't see anything. And so at some point his radio died, but he thinks we're ignoring him. So he's asking, so Cliff and I are just moving along and uh, we're just going at the whatever, you know, 20 miles an hour or something like that. And Matt and Bob kept stopping, but we weren't aware of that because we couldn't hear their radio transmissions. And so, yeah, so Matt decided he was going to punch it going like 55. Well, those guys were terrified because they couldn't see anything. And I guess they didn't have faith that Matt could see the road as well as he could <laughs> with that night vision unit. So Cliff and I were just, Cliff had actually said, you know what? I haven't seen those guys in a while. Let's just stop and wait. So we were just sitting there 
totally stopped. And they come flying up beside us like gravel, you know, flying everywhere and all pile out of the car. And all I heard was a bunch of yelling and then Moneymaker going, Bob, I'm sorry. <laughs> and then he stormed over to Cliff's vehicle. Pruitt, Cliff, what's wrong with you? Why well, he, remember you? He, goes, he goes, why isn't your radio on? And I lifted the radio up to my mouth, keyed it and go, it is. And it was. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but he was so mad at us. It was so funny. The funniest part about that is the, the next shot is Moneymaker in the back seat. Like, look at all bummed out. Like, yeah, and Derek's driving, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Saget just kept smiling and laughing, and that was a. Uh, you're right. It could have been edited a lot worse, but it would have been a lot funnier too. I was. That was what I was afraid of. Was once that blow up happened, I thought, oh, that's going to be the entire episode because it's yeah. funny. Yeah, 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 it is funny. Yeah, they did a good. The editors did a really good job, and it, 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 the the silent joke of like one scene, like I can't, that, you know, I'm not getting back in that car with him driving, and then suddenly Matt's in the back seat. That <laughs> the editors did a fantastic job editing together that joke with no words necessary. It was yeah, great. that was that, that was for us. Uh, that, knowing the whole thing, the whole story that for that was by far the funniest scene. Yeah, I was going to say, and you know what else happened that night that a lot of people don't know about was that. Walking out, I was one of the last guys to walk out from where we were down, the, the, where we put out the food and all that. The cameraman had something. He thought it was me messing with him. Someone big crashing through the brush next to him, paralleling him on the way out for like a quarter mile. And he was like, and he was freaked out. And then um, he said he could see big legs walking in the brush, like out of his peripheral, but he never turned his head and looked his headlamp was illuminating to the side a little bit. He said he was, he said it was like 10, 12, he said less than 15 feet. He said it was like literally 10, 12 feet in the brush line. And it wasn't like super heavy brush. He said it was just paralleling him. And he said he got the most intense overbearing. And this guy was like a balls out, you know, macho guy, cameraman, you know, like no fear, done all kinds of crazy stuff. He said that was the most scared he ever was on a shoot. Yeah, I have no information on that one. I don't know where I – yeah, but you had so much other time um, and, and uh, with all the crew and whatnot. There was a party, like a rap party afterwards you attended that I, that I didn't have anything to do with. And uh, Oh, yeah. Yeah, you had a lot of uh, insight into this one, you know? I do remember before – well, the, the last thing that was filmed um, when we were in the campground, I think the cameras had already stopped because they didn't put this in the episode. But to Bobo's earlier point about uh, not liking Saget in the 80s, when everyone was saying their goodbyes, I'll never forget Bobo said, you know, you know, Bob, I swore to myself, if I ever saw you around L.A., I'd just knock your lights out. But now I think you're pretty cool. And Saget <laughs> smiled and he said, that might be the nicest compliment I've ever received in show business. <laughs> <laughs> Stay tuned for more Bigfoot and Beyond with Cliff and Bobo. We'll be right back after these messages. Yeah, a lot of stuff didn't make the cut, actually. Yeah, it's funny how I, I just hated Saget and Bobcat. Like, the two guys I hated the most, and I ended up being friends with both of them. Just goes to show. Yeah, yeah, and they're both such sweethearts. You know, here's an example of how sweet Bob Saget was in this case, is that many, many months later, I was out with Flippy. I was out with Craig Flippy in Portland somewhere, probably just out getting beers somewhere or something like that. Um, and and we, we heard, or Craig knew, that um, Bob was playing at the local comedy club, Helium. Helium's like the big the big venue for comedians here in Portland. Um, and we just got word, oh, Bob's there tonight. So we said, hey, 
let's go say hi. And we actually went to the door, told the door guy, yeah, we know Bob. And, and he led us in to, um, to the, you know, there's a little hallway out there and there's a door that goes into the dressing rooms. And, and uh, we just told one of the bouncers like, hey, go in there and tell them that Cliff and, Big, and Bigfoot Flippy are here and just wanted to say hi. And he's all right. I'll do it. He looked at us like, you know, we're just ne'er do wells or whatever. And he went inside and sure enough, like a minute and a half later, um, Bob came out and spent about, you know, five minutes with us chatting and stuff. And before he had to go back in right before his set and we didn't have tickets, we didn't, and it had been six or eight months or more since at least until we, since we'd seen him. Um, but yet he, he did that. He didn't have to, he didn't could just say, I don't know, flippy, forget that guy. He farted on my parabolic, um, but he didn't do that. He came out and spent five minutes with us just to say hi and catch up for a few moments. And yeah, what, what a sweetheart, what a total nice guy. So. Yeah. Well, he was stoked on us because that was our episode doubled the next closest episode in ratings. Like doing that helped us a lot too, like for finding Bigfoot for like getting more pay and stuff, because I had four offers coming out of that. Like I a second, those guys flew me down for a meeting with them. They wanted me to do a, a pilot. They wanted me to do a series because they had a contract with a uh, and E, but we were in deep into talks at that point with discovery. Like it looked like, cause we ended up shooting the pilot about six weeks after the finding Bigfoot pilot was about six weeks after the Saget episode. And, uh, so that, that was great leverage. Like, well, these guys want to do something and it kind of kicked discovery in the ass and gave us more bargaining power for, for pay. That's for sure. Like, yeah, so it was, he was cool as hell. And, uh, the last time I saw him, he's like, Hey, you got to come to dinner with us. Cause he was like in a dinner club with, uh, all like him. And it was like Stamos and Don Rickles. And I think Roddy Dangerfield was dead at that Don point. Rickles. Yeah, that was like one of his best friends. His best friends were Stamos, Don Rickles, Roddy Dangerfield. He told me a bunch. When we were hanging out, he told me a bunch because Roddy, you know, is always my favorite, all-time favorite comedian. But uh, he was telling me a bunch of Roddy. He, dude, he gave the uh, – he was the – whatever you call the guy, the main speaker at a funeral. That's what he was for uh, Roddy, Dangerfield, Roddy Dangerfield's funeral in L.A., the main big one like that his family was at. Saget was the – I don't know what you call it, keynote speaker, or whatever, like at the funeral. But yeah, he, he opened for when he, he started going on the road with Rodney when he was uh, 18 or 19. He was the opening act for Rodney. Wow. I had no idea. Well, yeah, I could definitely tell, you know, he was super generous with everyone. We spent like a couple of hours on one of those days, basically like during the lunch break. And he took pictures with all of us, you know. Yeah. Um, and then. I definitely got the impression that he loved Bobo. And you remember, he really liked Derek, too. Uh, they did some yeah. filming that didn't make the episode, but they were doing some hike somewhere. And Bob seemed like a little nervous. And I remember he was like, well, is, can Derek be with us? And they were like, well, do you want to come, Derek? And Derek's like, yeah, of course. And Bob was like, well, if Derek will go, I'll do it. Like, he felt safer with Derek. So I think of, of yeah. everyone he met there, like, he really he, uh, he loved hanging out with you. And I think he was impressed by, by Derek as well. Yeah, he gave me his number, like his cell number and his um, email. And I was like, when you're in L.A., dude, let's get together. You got to come to dinner with us. And he was like, yeah, Stamos and Rob Lowe, these guys love Bigfoot, man. They'd love to meet you and talk to Bigfoot. And, but, you know, I mean, I never call anybody. I never I – was, I thought about it. I was like, I should call Saget. He's a good dude, you know. And then I never, I never called him once. Well, I think it's worth mentioning, you know, when we did this podcast, one of the things that we were thinking about uh, was reaching out to people that had showed interest in finding Bigfoot or that the two of you had met in the past who had their own sort of big audiences and followings and and uh, 
Saget was at the top of that list. And Bobo, you had actually reached out to him not that long ago, at least via uh, Twitter, to try to to get him on Bigfoot and Beyond. So it's really too bad. I called my agent to get a, to get in touch with uh, um, Saget's representatives, and I left a message there. And that was it was that was real recent. I mean, it was I think it was between Christmas and New Year's. Or maybe it was right before Christmas, but yeah, I was like, I was like, yeah, because I, I do because uh, there were people around LA that had bumped into Saget, or even people like out on the road when he was on the out on doing his tours, like saying, "Hey, man, you're you know like uh, like would throw my name out there, like I saw you with Bobo Bigfooting, and and, he, and you know he'd be like, oh yeah, tell Bobo I said, hey man, yeah that guy's great, like I did, so I, I I think he probably would have done the podcast because he's such a nice guy, he probably would have done it anyways, but he, he definitely remembered us and. And he liked us. Uh, yeah, if, I, I think if he had in the past, I'm sure we would have got him on in the next few months at some point. Yeah, it was definitely talked about multiple times, for sure. But I finally just reached out to him, too, like right then. Oh, uh, terrible. Terrible yeah. timing. One of the things that's heart-wrenching about all that, too, is like one of his last tweets was actually the night he died, man. Um, like, uh, it was Here, I'm looking at it right now, and it says, Love tonight's show at the PV Concert Hall in Jacksonville. Appreciative on, uh, audience. Thanks again to Real Tim Wilkins for opening. I had no idea I did a two-hour set tonight. He was booked for one, apparently. I'm happily addicted again to this <laughs> bit. Check out uh, check out Bob Saget. Basically, I'm happily addicted to be, ha- being a stand-up comedian. Like, he was so happy it p- appeared the very last night of his life. Um, and it's just so sweet to know that he went out on such a high, but it's tragic at the same time. Yeah, you see a lot of the eulogizing online from people, um, you know, other celebrities from other comedians and actors and musicians. And it's just an overwhelming sentiment that he was an incredibly kind and, and generous person. And, you know, I see it a lot from musicians I follow, like Ben Folds or John Mayer, that spent a lot of time with him, too, that everyone just sort of like attests to his generosity of, of spirit and uh, how kind he was. And he certainly was with all of us. Cause again, I, I think, I know I was ready to be made fun of, right? I think we all kind of were. And he was very sweet and very gracious to us the, that whole weekend. It was awesome. Yeah. And a lot of things, uh, the genesis of a lot of relationships for that weekend as well. I mean, sure, I knew you, Bobo, and I knew Flippy, and I knew Moneymaker and stuff, but I'd, I'd never really hung out with Matt Pruitt, for example. I think that's where you and I really forged a friendship. I mean, we probably were in contact before that. Um, a lot of things kind of uh, were, were set in motion that night, and I don't think that uh, I'm sure that Bob had no idea the effect he that that one filming thing would have had on a lot of people. Certainly. I think we might have exchanged an email or two, but uh, yeah, we hadn't met. But nothing will forge a friendship like getting yelled at by Matt Moneymaker together, you know? So that was it. <laughs> it's, a, it's a bonding experience. It was yeah. indeed. Forged in the flames of Moneymaker's scathing wordplay. <laughs> <laughs> but my radio was on. I want to point that out. My radio is on, and I'll, 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 I'm going to die on that hill. So. <laughs> You know, what are the other scenes that didn't make the episode that uh, there's still um, evidence of, if you want to call it that, I think it's strong, a good word for it, is um, Bob let me cast his footprint. Um, I have a Bob Saget footprint cast in my collection. Oh, That's I awesome. forgot about that. Yeah, and that big, like, galvanized bucket in front of Derek's place. You, you guys filled it with dirt and had him put his foot in there. 
Yeah, I've got pictures from that night somewhere. It's not on my hard drive. I just looked right now, but I know I have photographs of that. And they filmed it for the episode. It just didn't make it in. And there's like a lot of things, you know. I, I don't know how other shows work, but I know for Finding Bigfoot, we would film over 100 hours of footage. And then um, the editors would cut it up into 43 and a half minutes. So this is no exception, of course. All TV shows have something, some record like that. Um, but one of the many scenes is that, yeah, I asked Bob if he would be willing to do that. And of course, it's Bob Saget. So he said, yes, he's so generous with his time and whatever. And he came outside. It was freezing cold, of course, too. But uh, we poured plaster in it, and I have it to this day. That might be a nice thing to put on display here at the NABC for a while in our human footprint section, you know? That might be kind of fun. Uh, oh, you know, that's right, Cliff. You know what else I totally forgot about? Derek Milchek from the producer from Finding Bigfoot, his first gig was on, that's how I met him, was on that uh, Saget shoot. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. No kid. Oh, Derek, producer Derek. No kid. Yeah. Oh, and somebody else, the sound guy. What was his name? We ran across him a few times as well. Oh, Steve. Oh no, no, no. It was it was Dan. That's right, Dan, the sound guy. Dan, the yeah. sound man. He did a blog on the on the Saget thing. That's out there somewhere. His blog's called Milk and Whiskey. Yeah, so here I'm looking at the Milk and Whiskey blog. You can read um, a report of what happened that night um, directly from one of the guys who was there, uh, um, Dan Peterson. He was a sound guy on that episode of of, uh, Strange Days with Bob Saget. If you go to milkandwhiskey.com, and on the right-hand side, of course, there's a search, uh, search feature. And if you type in the word Bigfoot, a couple episodes or a couple uh, blog articles come up. One, of course, is how reality producers ruin TV, which I think is hilarious. Um, And of course, if you scroll down a little bit, there's another one, Hunting Sasquatch with Bob Saget. And there's a pretty good sized article um, describing that episode, that that scene in the episode that Bruett and I just talked about. Here's, here's, here's a nice excerpt. Moneymaker hauled ass down the dirt road in the dark, frantically trying to get his team on the walkie as we frantically tried to convince him to slow the F down. It was amazing. It was truly one of the greatest driving nights, uh, driving at night on a mountain dirt road with the lights off I've ever witnessed. Oh, and did I mention that we were looking for Bigfoot? For Christ's sake, that's why the lights were off, so he wouldn't scare Bigfoot. So, yeah, it's a pretty good article. It's a firsthand account of a guy who was in the car. You definitely want to check it out. Milkandwhiskey.com. Do a search for Bigfoot, and this will come up, and you can read all about it. I remember now the voiceover for that scene, because Matt has the night vision and the walkie-talkie that he's trying to yell at us through. And, and it's Saget's voice, and he's like, Moneymaker was looking through a night vision, talking into a walkie-talkie, and driving with his testicles. <laughs> <laughs> well, you got balls like his. You might as well, right? <laughs> An epic, epic, amazing um, uh, episode of his series. And a, and a good time. And <laughs> definitely glad where I, I was there. One of the nice things about Facebook is the the memories, you know, and every year those memories pop up, you know, every April from that shoot. Cause there's so many people taking pictures and tagging each other. And so it's always super fun to, to remember that particular weekend and a whole lot of great people and a lot of great friendships and a good time. Yeah. And of course, a lot of those pictures have been circulating because Bob's passing this past week as well. And uh, it's, it's, it's nice to see all these. There's so many people were there. So many people were affected um, directly or indirectly by Bob Sagan. It's just, um, he had a lot of influence on the Bigfoot community, at least our little section of it. Yeah. I mean, I'm glad we had a chance to connect with uh, Bob and have those moments with him and experience what a great guy was. And I'm just kicking myself. We didn't reconnect before he passed away. 
Yeah, it's kind of a lesson for life as we all get older, you know, like think of it now, like who who would you like to reach out to and say hi? Send somebody a text, man. It's just they deserve it, you know. Um, you deserve it for being to connect with people that you care about, who had an influence on you in some way. I didn't know Bob Saget well or whatever. He was kind enough to me on set and kind enough to come out and say hi that one time at Helium Comedy Club. But you know, I, I didn't had not emailed him over the years or anything like that. But uh, he had an influence upon me in my future career, actually on TV and just all that sort of stuff. And couldn't be more thankful for the experience that I had with him. So, yeah. Well, aloha, oe, Bob. Yeah. See you on the other side, my friend. Yeah. Well, we laughed, we cried, we did it all this episode, Cliff. Yeah. A heart wrencher. Yeah. On to the next one. Okay. All right. Well, I'll talk to you soon. Soon enough. All right, everyone. Thanks for listening. Uh, hit like, hit share. And until next time, keep it squatchy. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Bigfoot and Beyond. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us on iTunes. Subscribe to Bigfoot and Beyond wherever you get your podcasts and follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Bigfoot and Beyond Podcast. You can find us on Twitter at Bigfoot and Beyond, that's an N in the middle, and tweet us your thoughts and questions with the hashtag Bigfoot and Beyond. 